Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast. Well, you can tell from the title what we will be discussing on this show. We'll talk about liberty and how our government, which hates us by the way, works over time to erode our liberties. We will also talk about leadership, leadership theory, and leadership styles, and what kind of leadership the new aristocrats at every level of government are exercising, mostly in their efforts to control us and erode our liberties. We will also discuss how true servant leadership, the kind of leadership envisioned by our founding fathers for elected office, is needed to restore our republic. And we will also talk about lies, mainly the lies our government tells us its employers. The lies they tell us in order to maintain their grip on power. Their grip on the reins of control. And also the lies that many media outlets tell us as well or that they spread at behest of their masters in government. All of these lies are meant to keep us pulling at the wagon in our march toward socialism. I will also sprinkle in with those topics information about my campaign to restore true conservative servant leadership to government. I am campaigning to represent the 12th district in the Tennessee House of Representatives. The 12th district is made up of most of Sevier County. You can follow the podcast and the campaign at several locations on the internet and social media. My website is libertyleadershipandlies.com. On the website, you can subscribe to my blog post as well as find out about, and more importantly, contribute to my election campaign. For the podcast, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Telegram under Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton. For the campaign, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Larry for TN12. There are also a few ways you can use to contact me. For the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. For the campaign, you can send a text message or leave a voicemail at 865-393-7958 or just send an email to larry for dash tn12 at protonmail.com so those things and more will be what we discuss on the podcast liberty leadership lies and my campaign with that being said let's hear from the show's primary sponsor before we kick off this week's episode well ladies and gentlemen a happy wednesday to you as we get into this week's topic about leadership Before we get too deep into leadership, though, I'd like to give a shout-out to a listener. I want to thank Miss Elizabeth Cox of Carter County, Tennessee, for calling me up and leaving me a wonderful voicemail last week full of encouragement. It is always good to hear from some listeners. As I mentioned in the opening, please always feel free to contact me using any of the methods I mentioned earlier, email, social media, or voicemail. So, once again, thank you, Miss Elizabeth. Let's get into the topic of leadership now. And we've had some great examples of leadership more specifically integrity and leadership, appear on the national stage here recently. Few and far between, though, in my opinion. Often not consistent either. We need many more leaders with consistency and integrity to step into the arena if we want to restore our republic peaceably. We need servant leaders. Authentic servant leaders. Not those politicians that give it lip service. And you see them all the time. The ones that say while they're campaigning that I'm a Christian or I'm a conservative or I'm a parent, yet once elected, turn out to be just another one of those swampy creatures. The good people of Tennessee know exactly what I'm talking about here. 
from the governor all the way down to the local level. You find them a lot in the Republican Party. Democrats, or socialists, are exactly who they say they are. Yet here, we have these trans-publicans I mention all the time. They are definitely not authentic servant leaders with integrity. Most people would describe a person with integrity as those people that consistently do the right thing, especially when nobody is looking. A wise person once told me that a person is who they really are when there is nobody around. A leader with integrity is an authentic leader. The author, uh, one Mr. Bill George, he wrote the book titled Authentic Leadership in 2003. But up until that point, authentic leadership had only been explored in bits and pieces in the field of management science. But it boils down to this. An authentic leader is the same person at home, at work, at church, walking around the community, or even off on their own doing any activity like running or fishing or hunting. As I just said, when people describe or define integrity, they use the phrase, doing the right thing when nobody is looking. While that is true, there is a flip side to that coin. We can discern the true nature of our fellow human beings simply by examining what they do when there is nobody around. But there is also another way to find a person's true nature, though. It is by watching their actions in large crowds, or how they respond to peer pressure, or any kind of pressure that's put on them to act or say things differently from one moment to the next. People with integrity, those authentic servant leaders, have the courage to stand up to the groupthink, or whatever you want to call it, and still make the right decision, especially when it runs counter to the mob's cries of what they want. That is one of the reasons why we have a representative republic and not a democracy. Even though there are many people out there, particularly on the socialist side of the political spectrum, that work hard to make the point or try to describe those two types of government systems synonymous with each other. But nothing could be further than the truth, and our founding fathers knew it. A republic, if you can keep it, is what Benjamin Franklin said. He did not say a democracy, if you can keep it, because there is no keeping a democracy. There is no way to control the fickleness of a mob long term. And we can look to the battles over legislation going on in the Senate right now to see that. Long-established rules were put in place to cool anything that comes out of a simple majority in the opposite chamber of our federal legislature. The Senate ensures that groupthink, or mob rules, do not take over our representative republic. The United States Senate has frequently been described as a cooling saucer for the hot coffee or tea that comes out of the House of Representatives. James Madison, the fourth president of the United States and considered to be the father of the Constitution. I know, I know, there I go again referring to the people that actually wrote the Constitution. I never reference judicial decisions about the Constitution. It's those darn founding fathers and their wisdom. Anyway, James Madison described the Senate as a necessary fence against the fickleness of the House. In other words, the fickleness of the mob. Of course, the independence of the Senate from the mob was somewhat damaged by the passage of the 17th Amendment. Not somewhat damaged, it actually was damaged. That amendment allowed for the direct election of senators, meaning they are put in the Senate by the same people that puts members into the House of Representatives, blurring the lines between the bicameral houses of the legislature. That is another abomination of an amendment to our Constitution that only further allowed for the usurpers of liberty to gain a stronger position in elected office. Because now that senators are directly elected, how are the individual states represented in Congress, 
if every member of both houses are directly elected by the people. While the 16th Amendment was the most terrible amendment to our Constitution, and it was illegally passed, the 17th Amendment is a close second. And that's a topic for another day, though. Back to leadership, authentic leaders, and leaders with integrity, though. For another example of having or demonstrating integrity in the public square, specifically in today's culture, which demands absolute conformity with whatever the flavor of the day is or you will be quote-unquote canceled, a person that has integrity also does the right thing when everybody in the media and the socialist elites, the mob, are looking, when they are standing in the arena, so to speak, because that brings with it the chance that their thoughts and actions will result in them being ostracized from society. In other words, canceled. Cancel culture is just a continuation of adolescent behavior. Being part of the in cliques in junior high or high school. I'm sure every listener has seen or been exposed to cliquish behavior in schools during their youth. Our society has regressed in our social development in that area. Why? Well, mainly due to a lack of true leadership, servant leadership. We have selfish leaders now, not servant leaders in elected office. Also, as I have stated many times on this podcast, our government education system is a failed experiment that has contributed to this regression in social development. Just examine any curriculum in any government school from anywhere around the country today. Where is the focus? Is it culture or is it academics? Anyway, I digress even more. Leaders with integrity have courage. Authentic leaders have courage. Selfish leaders, much like we have now in all levels of government, lack courage. They also lack principles, lack conviction, unless it is somehow tied to their re-election. There is a significant lack of integrity among those elevated to leadership positions in elected office today. It goes back many generations, too. There are rare exceptions to that, though. In fact, too rare. Most of these elected officials on both sides of the aisle, too, are not the same person outside of their official duties, especially when the cameras are not on them. That is how you see legislation that is frequently passed at the federal and state level that violate those elected officials' publicly stated principles, that violates their oaths of office to the constitutions. Most elected officials do not have any solid principles. They lack integrity They are not authentic leaders. They are definitely not servant leaders. Let's pause for a word from a supporter of this podcast. Are you looking for a vacation that offers excitement and peaceful tranquility? You can get both right here in East Tennessee. Sevierville, which is the home of Dolly Parton and the world-famous Dollywood, in addition to the many family-friendly attractions in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, provide the fun and excitement to the tranquil backdrop of the beauty of the rivers, streams, waterfalls, hiking trails, and mountaintop views in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Sean Kelly and his family would love to encourage you to consider vacationing here at the Gateway to the Smoky Mountains. While there are several lodging companies you could choose from, Sean and his family have over 75 years of experience in the hospitality sector. If you are looking for a company with hometown values, where quality accommodations and cleanliness are paramount to your overall guest experience, look no further than Smoky Mountain Cabins of Tennessee. 
Book with confidence and be sure to tell the Kellys that you are their special guest to receive a 10% discount on reservations. Please be aware, though, that some restrictions do apply. So call now, toll-free, at 866-289-8818. You can also look at their cabins online at www.smcabinstn.com. So call now and book your vacation here in the Smoky Mountains with Sean and the Smoky Mountain Cabins of Tennessee staff. They are experts in creating mountain memories one stay at a time. Once again, the number is 866-289-8818. And the website is www.smcabinstn.com. Remember to let the Kellys know that you heard about them here on Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Lynn when you are booking your vacation here in the Smoky Mountains. Let's return to the word integrity and look at last week's Supreme Court decisions. Two different outcomes about the exact same federal overreach. Seems kind of suspicious to me. How about you? In the unnecessarily delayed small win in the OSHA vaccine mandate case, the justices used these words in the opening of their decision. The Secretary of Labor, acting through the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, recently enacted a vaccine mandate for much of the nation's workforce. The mandate, which employers must enforce, applies to roughly 84 million workers covering virtually all employers with at least 100 employees. It requires that covered workers receive a COVID-19 vaccine, and it preempts contrary state laws. Well, there's some key words in there, and there are these. The Secretary of Labor recently enacted a vaccine mandate. Even though the decision by SCOTUS is the right one, it arrived there through a convoluted path. The clearest path to the decision should have pointed right to the opening sentence. The Secretary of Labor, a non-elected official. Heck, he's not even part of the legislative branch of government at all. He issued a mandate on millions of free people. A truly constitutional ruling by the justices would have stated this. The Secretary of Labor issued an unlawful, unconstitutional mandate and it is struck down in its entirety. Through the Secretary's action, at the behest of the Chief of the Executive Branch, the agency engaged in unlawful activity. The Secretary is hereby censured and subject to removal from office proceedings. As for the President, in issuing an unconstitutional order, violating his oath of office, is now subject to impeachment and removal from office. That right there should have been the end of it. We didn't have to go through 30-some-odd pages. If we truly had Supreme Court justices that looked at the Constitution, that would have been the opinion. But the opinion goes on and on. It even mentions that Congress has enacted the Occupational Safety and Health Act in 1970 without even mentioning the constitutionality of the original act. I'm quite sure that if any person looked at every clause in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, nowhere would you find that Congress has the authority to protect the safety and health of people at the workplace. It definitely doesn't say that in Section 2, which covers the executive branch. Go ahead and read those. The justices then further dissect the OSHA statute and what it says is or is not permissible, as well as the processes defined in it to address occupational health and safety of the American workforce. The root of the matter is this, or the question that should be asked is, did Congress assume authority outside the scope of its specific enumerated powers? 
Well, according to the Constitution and the Federalist Papers written by the Founding Fathers, yes, it did. Again, James Madison, considered to be the father of our Constitution, had this to say about the enumerated powers. And I quote, The powers delegated by the Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The former will be exercised principally on external objects, as war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce, with which last the power of taxation will, for the most part, be connected. The powers reserved to the several states will extend to all the objects, which, in the ordinary course of affairs, concern the lives, liberties, and properties of the people, and the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state. Once again, as always, the justices that sit on the Supreme Court either refer to precedent or their interpretation of the Constitution when issuing their opinions. Why is it that they do not refer to the Founding Fathers' writings when they consider the cases before them? Well, for one thing, they don't have the integrity or the courage to do so. They are afraid to do the right thing with the entire nation looking at them. Here lately, they have even taken to writing editorials in defense of the court's actions, or in writing about how the Supreme Court risks losing its own authority if it allows states to circumvent the courts. Another indicator about how much he, the Chief Justice, has read the Constitution and its supporting Federalist Papers, he is of the same bent as Justice Sotomayor, who has openly acknowledged in recent months that the Supreme Court of the United States has taken on unconstitutional authority ever since its decision in Marbury v. Madison. These opinion pieces need not to be written to defend the court's action if it just followed the Constitution. The Supreme Court did this to itself, first with the power grab of the Marbury v. Madison case, then flamed into an inferno by the Warren Court of 1953-1969. to Previous courts going all the way back to the nation's founding had definitely made policy but the Supreme Court, headed by Chief Justice Earl Warren, eclipsed those previous efforts, leading us to the court we have today, which is, as Thomas Jefferson warned of, the oligarchy of despotism. The father of the Constitution even warned us about this when he encouraged the nation to arm ourselves with the power that knowledge gives. Yet here we are today. Our apathy has led us to this point. Creeping socialism at every bend in the road. Socialism that is inherent in every law passed, not only by the federal government, but by state governments as well. One of the discussions I had this past week accurately described what state and federal legislators are doing. Much like making a flaky puff pastry, the dough is folded over and over again to create many layers. Every law passed is another fold in the dough. Every fold or law is another layer between the people and their constitutionally protected, inalienable, God-given rights. We need to stop our legislators from being bakers. They only need to be like a first responder, or more accurately, a fire axe, called into action during an emergency by breaking the glass and putting it to use. Then, when the emergency is over, they get placed back into the glass case, sitting idle until needed. Instead, these legislators are spending our money making so much flaky pastry, putting layers and layers between us and our rights. With regards to the other Supreme Court decision about the mandates, the justices open their decision with this. 
The Secretary of Health and Human Services administers the Medicare and Medicaid programs which provide health insurance for millions of elderly, disabled, and low-income Americans. In November 2021, the Secretary announced that, in order to receive Medicare and Medicaid funding, participating facilities must ensure that their staff, unless exempt from medical or religious cases, are vaccinated against COVID-19. So, what is the key word or tricky phrase there that you know will guide this decision? A specific word. A specific word that was not in the opening of the OSHA opinion. Actually, there are two key words in that opening. I'll give you a hint. These words have something to do with our, yours and mine, sweat equity. Have you figured it out? Yep, insurance is the first one. Funding is the second word. So here's a little homework for the audience. Please look at Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Tell me if you can find the words health insurance in there. Then tell me if any of the 18 clauses grants the federal government the authority to fund health insurance. You and I both know you will not find it in the Constitution, so why did the justices even mention it? Again, it goes back to the court's lack of integrity. This would be another case where the ruling should have been the Secretary of Health and Human Services issued an unlawful, unconstitutional mandate and it is struck down in its entirety. Through the Secretary's action, at the behest of the Chief of the Executive Branch, engaged in unlawful activity and both are censured and now subject to impeachment and dismissal. That would be the correct constitutional remedy to what has been occurring, but we will not see it. There are several reasons for not seeing it happen either. The first, there are not enough elected officials with the integrity to make this happen. Secondly, there are not enough people that understand the plain language of the Constitution to make it happen. That includes the justices on the Supreme Court, especially the ones that are concerned with the court's image and the deviant culture that pervades our nation right now. The Supreme Court's 23-page opinion on the healthcare workers' vaccine mandate sends a clear message. Don't mess with government funding and insurance because your individual rights are not even a secondary concern when compared to that. Period. When I say that our government hates us, it isn't just the executive branch I am referring to. It is the legislative branch, the bakers of flaky pastries and putting layers between us and our rights, as well as the judicial branch that is only concerned with its image and no longer cares about the constitutionality of laws and the protection of our rights. Let's pause for a word from one of the supporters of this podcast before we move on. For all my listeners that live in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, I want to give a huge shout out to one of my all-time favorite car mechanics and longtime good friend, Glenn Moser. He is a supporter of this podcast and the owner-operator of Professional Auto, located at 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha, in Virginia Beach. Phone number is 757-962-0102. Not only is Glenn an extremely talented mechanic, but he is also a great American and a staunch supporter of our constitutional rights. My family and I relied on Glenn and Professional Auto for all of our vehicle needs when we lived in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. Quality work at a fair price and service with a smile are what you will receive when you take your vehicle to Professional Auto. I encourage all my listeners there in the Hampton Roads area to look them up if your car needs work. Again, that is Professional Auto, 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and the phone number is 757-962-0102. 
Okay, we're back on leadership. Leadership with integrity, as well as people in leadership positions without integrity. These Supreme Court decisions or opinions do, but should not have a great impact on our daily lives. If we had state governors and legislators that actually performed their designed functions. As we discussed earlier, James Madison had this to say further about the federal government's few and defined powers. He said, The operations of the federal government will be most extensive and important in times of war and danger. Those are the state governments in times of peace and security. As the former periods will probably bear a small portion to the latter, the state governments will here enjoy another advantage over the federal government. The more adequate, indeed, the federal powers may be rendered to the national defense, the less frequent will be those scenes of danger which might favor their ascendancy over the governments of the particular states. As you can see, with the father of the Constitution thought, it should only be during times of war and danger for national defense that the federal government make laws not defined by the Constitution. The last time I checked, we were not at war. In fact, the federal government and its agencies and their media enablers inflated this pandemic for the purposes of expanding its power. Here recently, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention director stated that 75% of COVID deaths occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. Oopsie, somebody left her off the reservation for way too long. Of course, the media is coming to her rescue with statements that her comments were taken out of context, that she was talking about a study of vaccinated people, not all people. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't let the cat out of the bag? Do you know why you don't want to let the cat out of the bag? Because if you try to get it back in the bag, it will not be very pleasant for you or the cat. You can't put that cat that the CDC director just let out of the bag back into the bag. Our government, the one that hates us, the one that shut down our economy, that ruined millions of people's lives, drove us all to live in fear, and they did it all for what? For a virus that is now known to be nowhere near as deadly on its own than they have made it out to be. That means of the roughly 840,000 deaths so far in the United States, roughly 210,000 are from COVID alone. Our government lied to us for one reason and one reason only. For power. For control over every aspect of our lives. Including the sovereign control over our own bodies. For a government that is supposed to be of, for, and by the people, that just doesn't quite fit right, does it? For a government that was formed to protect our rights, to protect the rights of the individual, it sure seems like it operated the opposite of its designed intention. For a government that was formed as a representative republic for almost two years now, we have been led by unelected bureaucrats. Some of those same bureaucrats are likely directly responsible for the creation of, accidental release, and subsequent cover-up of the virus that enabled them to seize power and control. A virus that enabled election fraud on a scale never before seen in our republic. Until the next election, that is, if they continue to have their way. When I say our government hates us, look to the evidence of the past two years and you will see just how much that statement is true. There is no low that they will not stoop to in order to usurp our liberty and put us into generational bondage that we cannot escape from. It is time for all of us to wake up from our apathy. 
It is time for us all to use that quote from the 70s movie, Network. We need to shout out to our representatives. I am mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It is time for us all to throw the usurpers of liberty out of government, along with all of the career, current government employees that have become the deep state. We need to throw them out on the street and replace them with patriots that believe in our nation's founding principles. People that believe in liberty and that abhor socialism. We need to get rid of these petty tyrants at all levels of government and return our nation to one that is truly of, for, and by the people. Before we close the show, I would like to leave you with this from God's Word. It comes to us from Proverbs 10.9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Leadership without integrity is not leadership at all. Look to those people that are right now standing up to the cancel culture in our society and gain inspiration. Look to those people that are defying their core groups to stand up for what is our self-evident, unalienable rights. Those people in leadership positions that will fold or succumb to the cancel culture are not leaders at all. They should not be respected, revered, emulated, or even pitied. They have proven that they do not have the courage of their convictions. That they hold no principles other than to be popular or liked by more people. Here is a quote that really brings that concept home. It is better to be respected than it is to be popular. Popularity ends on yearbook day, but respect lasts forever. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.